0: Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Hey everybody, welcome to Morning Zoo. And this is gonna make crazy today. We're gonna talk about entrepreneurship. I'm <laughs> just kidding. No, this is a regular show. Standard podcast. You've had. It's just like every other podcast, but it's a little different because this is the Fizzle Show. And every Friday we publish another conversation about entrepreneurship building an audience, and the battle of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. Your hosts are Barrett Brooks, Steph Crowder, Corbett Barr, and me, moi, Chase Reeves. We run Fizzle.co, where new and used entrepreneurs learn how to create, develop, and grow a personal business in the modern age. Membership costs about a dollar a day, but as a listener, you can try your first five entire weeks. Like, you know, listen, five weeks, you don't get five weeks of free on stuff very often. You can try five weeks of fizzle for free. I'm going to say five weeks free. I do this crazy. The kids are going nuts with five weeks of free fizzle. You can go to fizzle.co slash try five. As a listener of the show, you'll get five free weeks of fizzle. In this episode, how to get past the fear of choosing the wrong business idea. On the show today, we share one fizzler's story about the fear that comes when you're choosing between two business ideas. It can feel impossible to choose sometimes, and for good reason, right? Because the decision really matters. There are consequences no matter what you pick. So what do you need to do to not only make a good decision, but also to feel confident about your decision so you won't second guess yourself later on? We'll tell you how and walk you through an amazing resource, a free download that we, we made in this episode. I literally talk about it, uh, making it in this episode, and I've done it. I've done it. Uh, also, also on this episode, our very first ad read. So come on, you're going to enjoy that. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 154. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. I'm Chase Reeves. I'm the chief monkey business operator here at Fizzle. <laughs>
1: I'm Corbett Barr and I try to keep the ship running in the right direction. I'm Barrett Brooks and I stand on the middle of the seesaw between Chase and Corbett.
2: I'm Steph Crowder and I am the den mama at Fizzle. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's, that's terrific. All right, Steph, what are we talking about today?
2: <laughs> okay, today we are talking about the fear. This kind of is a good, I think, two-part episode if you listen to the episode from last week um, which we'll put in the show notes as well but this one is a question that comes from CK from the forums and it's all about getting past the fear of choosing the wrong thing so this is something that I think all of us can totally relate to it happens particularly when you're at the beginning of, you know, choosing a topic and starting your business. But it's something that happens at any point, I think, not of course, not just in business, it happens in life. But at any point in your business, when you're about to maybe make a pivot, perhaps do it, you know, launch a new product, it can be really paralyzing to have this inkling or maybe voice in your head that wants you to try something new and different. But there's a fear of which way do I go and I don't want to make the wrong choice. So here's mm. what here's what CK has to say about it. He says, he's a new fizzler. So CK, first of all, welcome to fizzle. This is one of his first posts. He says, for the last few years, I've made my money through freelance writing and a few local SEO clients. Most of my clients have been with me for years, but it's time for me to move on. While I love my clients, I'm ready to build my own brand instead of theirs. So this is where I'm stuck. I have a real passion for everything content. He loves blogging, podcasting, publishing, social media, et cetera. But I also have a passion for helping folks with addiction, specifically the family and friends who love an addict. I have lots of experience and audiences in both of the areas. So he has experience and audiences in Um, The realm of addiction as well as this content world that's sort of related to the work he's been doing freelancing But I feel like i'd probably be able to help more people by focusing on the addiction stuff That said I have a bigger following of writers bloggers and newbie entrepreneurs who seem to be more engaged I know I need to buckle down and focus on one thing but fear of choosing the wrong thing is killing me I know we're not supposed to be afraid to fail, but I'm a single dad, plus I have plenty of fails under my belt already. I know I'm not the only one to ever face a problem like this, so I'm wondering, how did you decide and what helped you move forward?
0: Wow. I just I'm just like reeling on that line. I know we're not supposed to be afraid to fail, but I'm a single dad. Did, yeah. did, like, did, like doesn't that just like don't you just enter completely into the world of like reality and like what's at stake and the consequences of these decisions when you hear a sentence like that. Totally. Ugh, I love that. Um, okay, so let me tell me if I'm hearing this right, okay, Steph. All right, mm-hmm. we previously been working with clients, SEO type stuff. Um, but it, now thinking of doing a different thing. He has two interests, one of them being in sort of like the content world, entrepreneurship kind of thing. Another one being in sort of uh, overcoming addiction, people struggling with addiction. Says that he has a little bit of audience and a, and, and some expertise in both of these, uh, probably a little more engagement in the entrepreneur one, but could probably make more of an impact in the addiction one. And uh, his question, if I'm hearing it right, is... I mean, really, which should I pick? Is that what I mean? Or is it really just like, how do you deal with the fear of not knowing exactly which one you should pick?
2: I think it's both, but I think it's mostly the latter. It's sort of like, how do I pick one and feel secure and confident enough in it that I can move on and stop feeling like I'm second guessing myself and thinking about the thing that I didn't pick?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Corbett, what's your, like, I feel like you typically have this like sort of like, that's a great question, and and then you flip the whole thing on its head, and it's like, oh yeah, do you have one of those here? <laughs> like, what's your first like first reaction to this?
1: Listen, no pressure. All right,
3: no pressure. the The first reaction is lucky for CK. We have a whole course on this, which is mm. called right. choosing a topic. And uh, some people wait in the, before you move
0: on. Before you move on from that, make sure that you tell some people about what the choosing a topic course is.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people in the uh, in the comments mentioned it actually to him. They said, uh, for example, uh, hold on. For example, Cheryl said, you know, first, if you haven't already, be sure to work through the Choose Your Topic course here in Fizzle. I was wrestling between two or three topics before I took the course, and it really helped me make a decision on the topic I should be focusing on. So some people call it a niche. Uh, other people might call it, you know, your high-level business idea. We tend to call it a topic in Fizzle. This is the, like the broadest area in which your business idea will live, and CK's example is perfect because he's talking about two very different things. He's talking about um, co- content marketing, blogging, podcasting, all that kind of stuff versus dealing with addiction. Those are two very different things. And I knew ahead of time from working with a lot of people and, and also from what has gone on in my own head, that it's really easy to wrestle with these different topics. And sometimes we have more than two. Sometimes we have five or, or ten different ideas for topics. And of course, you know, as an entrepreneur, these new ideas come in your head all the time. So it's common to wrestle with this. And it's also a really hard struggle to pick one if you don't have a framework to rely on. Because you can, you know, go to bed one night thinking, oh my God, addiction is the right topic because... I know all these people who have wrestled with it. Uh, I've been through treatments myself, blah, blah, blah. And then in the morning you wake up and you go, wait, that's stupid because nobody really uh, wants to pay for information around addiction because it's all free out there. And you can kind of just make up this story in your head and... and From one day to the next, you can be really high or really low on each one, and that's if you're wrestling with two. If you end up wrestling with three or more, it's it's just hard to keep all of that in your head. So the goal of the Choosing a Topic course is exactly to help you write down and brainstorm all the different topics that you might have, and then to go through a series of criteria that will make you feel good about picking one and running with it. So I don't know if CK had gone through it. I didn't read that he had here, and because he's a new fizzler, maybe he just hasn't gotten that far yet. Um, but today, on on you know this episode, maybe we can walk through some of that framework. Man, I like that. That's a good overview. So Steph, where do you want to
0: where do you want to go with this from here?
2: I think you know I would love to hear maybe from each of us, as well as we can, we can talk about, certainly about personal experience as well as a, a bit more broadly. First of all, I like Corbett's idea of talking a little bit about the choosing a topic course, especially that decision matrix. That was a, a note yeah. that I had jotted down as well. Cause it is, it's so helpful. And I, I know the four of us have joked that we use Decision matrices for other things in our lives besides just business, and it really is helpful to have like an objective criteria to help you assess what which direction you should go in. But I think in general, it might be helpful to just talk through um, some philosophy and some ways to think about when you do have a, a choice to make. What are what are some things you can do to? Um, Feel committed to the direction that you're going in? Well, I guess maybe even before that we should talk about because this is something that unfolded in the comments. um, Some people were talking about the importance of choosing it all. Maybe we should even start there because... Not choosing one thing is also technically an option. I mean, you you could conceivably have a blog or website or whatever for two topics at the same time. And in fact, people ask this all the time in the Fizzle forums. You know, I have two things I want to write about. Can I do them both? Can I pursue a blog or podcast or whatever or business about content marketing and addiction? Would it be possible to do that? So maybe we should start with talking about whether or not we believe it, it's it's a good idea for CK to make that decision at all.
0: Yeah, so, so what you're asking is, like, do you have to choose between these two or can you do a little bit of work on both? Exactly. Yeah. Um, Barrett, you normally have strong opinions about things. You probably have one about this. Should CK do some work on both of these and, and, and like see which one starts to work or whatever, or should he just make a decision up front?
1: Well, <clears throat> I guess I'll say that not choosing is a choice, and right. I think it's the worst choice of all that you can make at some point and so the question I would ask back to CK is like do you feel like you've done enough work on both of these to understand what it would entail to build a business around it and so does he need to choose today maybe not maybe there's more work to be done on each of these maybe it's time to move on to looking at audience and what an audience for each of these would look like and maybe it's time to move on beyond that as well to customer conversations and and going and speaking to individuals who would be in that audience that he's choosing for each of these. And maybe only until he's done that, he's going to feel like they're both good options. But in that process, my guess is one of them will start to reveal itself as a better opportunity. Mm. And so does he need to choose today? I don't know, maybe not. But I would not say that the good idea is to to abdicate entirely and to say, well, I'd rather not choose, so I'm just going to do both. Because I think that's likely to lead to neither one of them getting enough attention. And to you not really being, not just considered an expert, but actually able to build the expertise you need to be able to serve these people well. Hmm. And I think somebody made that point in here that, yeah, you know, I, I pursued a couple different uh, ideas at one point. And the hard part was, nobody knew how to think of me. Like, am I a photographer mm-hmm. or am I an insurance person? And um, that can be a challenge Namely, because you will have that challenge if you're splitting your time between these two. So I would rather see him maybe not make a choice now, but do make a choice eventually. And whatever falls by the wayside, it doesn't mean you have to put that out of your life entirely, uh, which we can talk about later. But I, I think eventually, yes, a choice has to be made for one of them to succeed.
0: Yeah, yeah, part of part of me sees this, pardon me, Steph, part of me sees this as like a, um, uh, you could do... Uh, Listen, there's two ways. There's, there's, there's two ways of doing this. It's like, um, there's the way of, of doing a business where you're like, well, which one's going to get big? Right? It's like, oh, I want to, I want to, I just want to focus on a keyword, whichever one's going to give me the best options. Like, okay, we'll go with that. Um, and so you, in that, in that sort of like lean startup y sort of way where you're just, you, all you care about is the results. Um, uh, in terms of how many people are interested, and can we earn a buck, and all this other stuff, then you can you can run both of these ideas in a very simple MVP kind of way, buying some advertising to get people onto a site to see which one you gets more traffic, easier and cheaper, and to see which one gets more conversions uh, on that single page thing. Okay, that means you've got a page up that says, "Hey, do you want to learn the top ten tricks to X, Y, and Z addiction or entrepreneurship?" Uh, and, and then you kind of run two campaigns to see what your results are, what it feels like to have written those things, what it feels like to, to, to buy the traffic to, you know, using Google AdWords or Facebook ads or something like that. And then you just have data. Oh, look, I did this much work. It felt a little bit better using this one or that one, but this other one over here got a lot more traffic for a lot less money and had a higher conversion rate. Okay, cool. We got that going for us. But in the same, the other way of looking at this is kind of like, you know, doing a deep dive on yourself which is which is what this decision matrix kind of helps you do as well. you know, it gives you some categories to think, which one am I which one do I feel more connected to? and th- and I hear the answer to this one, I think already in Casey's just the way that he was talking about addiction versus you know, entrepreneurship content type type stuff, that one little line where he says, you know, I could probably make a bigger impact on the addiction people in some ways. Uh, I'm kind of like, Bro, I think you might have answered your question right there because what you just listened to was your heart, (laughs) for lack of a better term. Not to make it all gooey and woo woo, but like for me now that I've proven to myself that I can do this, it's incredibly important. I I think you can get to a point where you could prove to yourself that you can do this. You can do a thing. You know, I think that's a big moment when you realize, oh my gosh, I've done a thing. Like I can do it. I can create a website and a business and do the thing. Wow. Then you realize, like, I actually could make this, I could make a business work on a lot of different topics. You know, And addiction will be one of them and entrepreneurship will be another and underwater basket weaving would be a third. So that's when these bigger sort of questions come up about like, so what kind, what, what do I want to spend my time doing? How do I want my days to go? In five years time, what do I want my body of work to look like? And in 30 years time, like who's the crew of people that I want to have to look back on and say, I helped them you know and and i i like i like that question a lot because i'm an idealistic sort of spiritual minded kind of person um and yet at the same time i've learned a lot about sort of getting to the data of things by using things like the De- decision matrix which i think i'm going to just go ahead and say this and i hope that i get it done in time by friday i'm going to make a version of the decision matrix not the full thing cuz it's a pretty big document um, in the in the topic course that goes with a greater like sort of course workbook, but I'm going to make a version of this decision matrix uh, available for free. I'm going to put that in. You could be able to download that at fizzleshow.co/slash one fifty four. You guys okay with that, Corby, You okay if I pull that out into the, with the people?
1: All right, give it to the people.
0: Steph, I interrupted you. What were you going to say?
2: No, not at all. I think those were great points, and I just also wanted to underscore something that Barrett said that um, stuck out to me as well, which is. Just so important, making no decision is making a decision. And there was a comment from a fizzler named Scott that I thought went along well with this. He said, The way I see it, there is only so many t- or there are so only so many times you can fail. If I have the wrong topic, name, theme, depth of niche, etc., I can change it. But if I don't take action, I won't know. So, in other words, and this is something that a mentor of mine used to tell me and always stuck with me, was a decision is better than no decision, just don't make the same wrong decision twice. Hmm. And I think that there's something so empowering about, first of all, realizing that you are making a decision by not picking. And and, and Barrett's point is valid too, that, Perhaps it's not time to make a decision yet, but if mm. you continue to not choose, that is a choice and realizing that everything you do is a choice, I think makes the decision of going one way or, or another feel a little bit less scary because mm. no matter what you do, you're deciding something and also giving yourself permission to realize that if you kind of d- decide that you need to backtrack, that's okay too, because at least you chose something and you can course correct versus not knowing what you need to do from here.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. You know, I want to go back to uh, your point, Chase, about the impact sentence that uh, CK shared about knowing that he could make a bigger impact if he focused on addiction and the community of people surrounding addicts, how to, you know, inform or educate or empower those people to be helpful. And
0: just to be clear on the language there, he says, I feel like I'd probably be able to help more people by focusing on the addiction
1: stuff. Right. Okay. So, you know, I think. Part of of what's scary about owning something like that and making the decision to go with addiction is when I hear that from him, I think about, okay, so what do the people in an addict's life, the community of support for an addict, what do they most need? And who's already out there trying to solve this problem? Hmm. Because when it comes to problems like addiction or when it comes to child abuse or cancer or any of these big societal scary issues, sometimes you can do more harm by starting a new thing that tries to reinvent the wheel on this when there's already so much help being provided. And so in a question like this and a topic like this, I think one of the scary roads you have to go down is, could I make the biggest impact not by being an entrepreneur on this topic, but by going and joining forces and using all of my talents to enable or empower hmm. or build momentum for someone already doing it better than I'm going to be able to do. Yeah, and I think that's a really important one to ask on something as big and scary and personal and important as addiction. This is why I love what you just said, Barrett. Because,
0: listen, listener, if you're anything like me, what you're here for really is, and what you think about being an entrepreneur really, what you're thinking about is, can I do this? Like, could I do this? And what you see is yourself on stage. What you see is yourself responding to people's, you know, gushing about you on Twitter. What you see is, you know, some person that you admire giving you a high five because that great blog post you wrote or because yada, yada. What you see is a little bit of, you know, is the fantasy of what it looks like to be someone who's made it or who is has, who's has got the world like create is like is like the the tracks are just going down and the train is moving like as you're going like everything's happening the traction is all there and it's a spirit it's a sort of emotion it's an excitement um and and more than anything for me it was always about it, i think it was and i and i think for me it was like can i do this can i be someone like this the truth about that is these ideas of success are, are very much a moving target. They're extremely slippery, all right? They, you, you look at yourself and compare yourself to Gary Vaynerchuk or to Seth Godin or to Pamela Slim or to Marie Forleo or to Oprah or to, uh, you know, Julia Childs or whoever. Right, And what you see is a fraction of what their life is like. But you make a lot of assumptions about what the reality is. And so you can't help but kind of compare yourself, dream of it, fantasize about it. When there's an alternate way. And this is really, really powerful because this has been my code and secret for as a designer, as a copywriter, and all this other stuff. Everything that I built for Fizzle so far was all in the sort of defining your audience course. And then in the, in the, you know, web design course, productivity essentials, a handful of other stuff that we have. But really, the most cataclysmic sort of big idea that I've gotten in business was when I switched from a me centric view to a customer centric view and this this started for me with design that's a very big sort of trend in design you go customer centric design now the thing about that and what what's coming out in our in our customer conversation course which I'm like in in I'm like steeped in right now and it's the truth it's the Sorry, it's the truth about business. Did I just cuss a little bit? I just cussed. I should make (laughs) put a marker there. It's the truth about business. Oh my God. You sit there and you talk to people investigating their reality, their truth, where they are now and how they wish it was. You don't try to convince them to buy your product. You don't try to convince them that your idea is a good one. You're there to understand the reality. And now, CK, what I'm bringing to bear uh, from that on this situation, and for anyone listening, when you have an issue that you care about—addiction, stillbirth, um, uh, getting fit after being overweight for a long time, being productive—you uh, know, getting, feeling like you have your life in, in your own hands again. Whatever it is that you care a great deal about, doing what Barrett said, and actually looking at the people a person, maybe it was you two years ago, or you last week, or a real person now, and you can actually either talk to them or imagine about them. What are they afraid of? For someone with addiction, what are they really afraid of? And what's the transformation you really want them to have? You want them to go from like complete dependency to, yeah, you know what? I'm an alcoholic still, but I haven't had a drink in six months or 12 months or 14 years or whatever, right? when you see that the, the, there's human lives at stake, which is the case for every business, and what my dream with Fizzle is is over time, we all start thinking more humanely about business. Um, is, is that when you connect to the real people there, you're gonna make decisions that not everybody else, not every other damn entrepreneur is making. And that means you're gonna be innovating in this space. And it also might mean, as Barrett said, you might not do the entrepreneurial thing at all. You might realize that you get to be the missing piece in an organization that's already doing the real work, which sure comes with a lot of crap. Like you might have a boss. You might it might not feel as good as like you might not like have that on stage moment. But when you're connected to it, to making in when you're connected to the results of your work in a powerful way, like the results of your work beyond like how many Twitter followers and how much traffic to the site, but to Tom and Geraldine and Adam. Kind of like seeing results in their lives that's that'll trump anything that'll trump anything i was like you can get a paycheck like if you're that kind of minded like you can you can feel really sensational about your work and as, speaking as someone who's done the stuff and built the thing it's really possible to do the thing and feel terrible about your work you know and that that is that is kind of a prison you know it's a really hard prison to get out from so barrett i'm glad you said that sorry i had to get all i it's important though because like Well, think about it. It changes the nature of this question. It goes from like, hey, could I be somebody to like, no, I care about this problem, you know, versus, and I think that's a, it's a really big deal. And it might well be like, you still do an entrepreneurial type thing, or you do that entrepreneurial type thing, an intrapreneurial kind of thing within another organization go like, listen, you guys are doing great work. You don't have
1: any content arm at all. I want to be the guy that does that. Right. You know? Well, and there's other ways, you know, going back to Steph's point about not making a choice here, there's other ways to look at this. You know, one way is to look at, okay, in my business efforts, this one over here, maybe the entrepreneurial or copywriting or whatever thing is clearly the better business opportunity from a money-making standpoint, from that kind of traditional profit-driven business mindset. Mm -hmm. And addiction is still important to him or supporting people who uh, struggle with addiction. And So one way of not choosing, quote unquote, might be to say, well, the best business choice is this one over here. Mm. And if I have a healthy business, that will allow me to support the cause of addiction in other ways. And nonprofit boards, you know, one of the big kind of, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. The three T's are, we always talk about time, talent, and treasure that you want from your people serving on a given nonprofit board. So you either want them to give Time, kind of on the ground time, planning events, serving the cause, whatever you want talent, so you know if you're a copywriter, a lot of nonprofits could benefit from copywriting or content or whatever or treasure meaning money. you know, you want people to give money to the cause because that helps the work continue to yeah. to be done, and so there are a lot of ways you could give any one of those three things to something like. Uh, drug addicts anonymous or, you know, whatever, some other halfway house or whatever is going to be helpful to these people that, you know, need the help. You don't have to build a business around that to make an impact on the cause. And so I don't want you to feel like you have a false choice here, which is it's only one or the other, because there are ways to pursue only one of them by building a business and to pursue the other by doing work outside of your business or simply by supporting a cause by giving money, which doesn't take time and effort and energy.
0: Yeah, I love it. Steph, what are you hearing over there? Hey, this is Chase and it's dinner time here in the Reeves house. Aiden, what are we eating? Enchiladas. Enchiladas. And we're gonna jump right back into the show. But first, a message from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks Small Business Accounting Software. And if those words, small business accounting software, bring a bad taste to your mouth, well, congratulations, you're a human. You're probably in business and you know how gross accounting can be. But you might also be living in the dark ages of business tools because FreshBooks is a modern tool making accounting and invoicing probably literally as pleasant as they can be. Okay, so I used to be a web designer, which means I had to invoice clients, which means I had to fight with clients to get paid because they forget and I'm not a fighter. As you know, I'm a lover, which means it was a pain to get the hard earned money in the bank for all the work that I did in the designs. So FreshBooks does three things amazing in this way. Number one, it makes great looking invoices, very professional, so you look good. Number two, like I said, it's a modern tool. So sending an invoice out is ridiculously easy. And number three, this is the kicker. FreshBooks can send late payment reminders to your clients automatically, which means you're not chasing down clients for late payments, it literally just does it for you. FreshBooks is offering a month of unrestricted use to listeners of The Fizzle Show, totally free, And you don't need a credit card for the trial. So to claim your free month, you just do this. You're going to go to a URL. It's this, freshbooks.com slash fizzle. And enter fizzle in the how did you hear about us section. Freshbooks.com slash fizzle. Our thanks to FreshBooks for supporting the fizzle show. Let's get back into it. Steph, what are you hearing over there?
2: I I mean, I think at this point, I feel like we've talked a lot about um, different options you can take, whether, I mean, I think Barrett's point is dead on that, and yours as well, Chase, that this entrepreneurship might be a good fit for something that you're passionate about, like in this case, drug addiction, but there are different ways to kind of get at that, which is really helpful. I think it would be great if for us to shift now to talk a little bit more about some different criteria that people can use when they're making these kinds of choices. So I feel like so far we've talked a little bit about um, maybe personal fit or interest in the topic. We've talked about how important it is to. Um, be invested in that. And obviously CK is in this case, he has experience with it. It's something that he cares about. It's a bit of a passion project. So that's certainly one piece of criteria Criteria you can use to evaluate whether or not this topic would be the best fit for you. But I'd be curious to hear from you guys and, and, and perhaps Corbin in particular, what other pieces of vetting or other pieces of criteria would we suggest using when you're making this kind of choice with choosing a topic?
0: Mm.
3: Yeah, we've, we've, uh, we've kind of had a conversation already that goes somewhat like the internal monologue is going to go when you're evaluating a bunch of different topics. And, and like I said earlier, this can spread over days or weeks, right? Bouncing between different things that for some reason now you feel is really important. Almost like it's the Holy grail of being able to decide whether or not I should go with this topic or this topic. Oh, customers, you know, how I feel about the customers. That's the thing that matters. So you, you harp on that for a while and then you go, well, wait a second, but that's not the only thing that's important. It's also important if I care personally about the topic. So which one do I care most about? And you can kind of go around this and around and around And the, the point of using the framework from the choosing a topic course um, is that it gets you to systematically write down the different criteria that might matter so that then you can take a look at each of the topics and uh, assign them a score. And then you can weight those scores based on which of the criteria are most important. So um, so what have we talked about so far? You, you said personal interest. We've talked about um, how you feel about the customers. We've talked about the impact that you feel you can have. Another one that really matters is what expertise do you have in this topic? What experience yeah. and skills and expertise do you bring to the table? Cause you might care about addiction a lot, but maybe you don't have any experience with it. And therefore, uh, you know, you should go with doing content marketing because you've been doing it for 10 years or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that personal expertise thing, that's a, it's, it's, it, that can be slippery. Because you don't have to be a full-on expert, but you do have to carry a little authority. And even you know, now, but like the authority you can bring could be as a learner or the leading learner kind of model of like, listen, I su- struggle with addiction. I'm figuring it all out. I'm going to go through the research and, and what's out there be to and show you what's working and not working for me. That's a kind of authority that might not be expertise about addiction that could potentially work it gives you it gives you the because we need as as an audience like we just need an excuse to trust you you know what i mean in some ways and corbett to to more of those uh kind of things to evaluate the idea by is this idea of is this like a new or trendy or fast growing topic um that can be sort of like a a moment where you happen to be on the front end of a trend that can be a really big deal because I think something that's that's not very that's not said very often or very well in business is 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 just you got to be like you luck out like if you're successful you've had a lot of luck that's basically that's 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 what happens that's where like with addiction when you're working with addiction the best people that I know and my heroes who work in addiction those it's it's a it's a slog it's it's like being a pastor it's like being yes. a community worker a social worker and you know what I I love the work that they do and they're doing the real thing. And and they, as painful as the work is, they're like, I can't do anything else. It, I it's the truth. It's the truth. And if I do anything else, like I just know I'm not doing the truth for me. Right. You know what I mean? Um, that's what I see a lot in the addiction for in helping addiction sort of world. Um, not necessarily a new and fast sort of trendy thing, but there could potentially be ways that you update older models of helping in a one-to-one sort of way into more of a one-to-many way on, on the web. Now, but I, and again, just to re- reiterate the, the, this as another category by which anybody can sort of rate their business idea that they're thinking of when they're splitting, when they're thinking of a, mo- a couple different ones is like, is this like on the rise? Is this a, is this a trend? And then the, the, the flip side of that is like, and subsequently as a trend, is it going to go away? right away you know like someone was telling me that i'm probably gonna get emails for this but someone was telling me like you know remember those like uh uh who's the the fancy shoe company that nike bought was it cole hahn yeah 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 and remember those shoes that they were making with like the bright colors on the sole yeah yeah it was like dress shoe with like a bright sole thing he's like isn't it funny how like seven months later you don't see any of those but they were hot potatoes for a good for a good while there
1: you know, and now it's just like no, just go with the classics. Yeah, <laughs> the I mean? person who bought them went into a meeting with <laughs> an old school business person who said, "Get the." <laughs> out of here get right Get the now. french fries away the from me. french fries out of here. What are you doing, youngin?
0: <laughs> yeah. And another, I, by the way, so so is it a new and fast-growing topic? Another thing to think about is, is do you have inside connections? Do you have a network here? Do you have sort of, uh, you know, a lot of people to reach out to for interviews if you're thinking about doing a podcast? Do you have a support crew of people who are already sort of like, have a little bit of audience that can help promote you uh, to to get some of that early initial sort of readership? Those inside connections, those can be so... <clears throat> incredibly valuable when you're
1: doing something new. You know, something else here that could be helpful is, um, we've been working on kind of redoing our archetypes lesson and the roadmap, right? I'm surprised you're talking about it. Well, (laughs) we've done archetypes on the podcast, so we've talked about archetypes. We're working on refining it and kind of getting it more. Oh, I would would say it's an overhaul. I would say it's a significant overhaul. We're working on overhauling it, Mm -hmm. but I think the idea one of the ideas we have for overhauling it is the idea that a given topic could work in any archetype of a business. Yeah, And so if you take each of these uh, topics, either entrepreneurship or, or content marketing or addiction or whichever ones, and run them through this exercise of what would this topic look like in this archetype and what about that one? And if you
0: don't know about money. the archetypes, I'll put this in the show note. These are like 10 different like shapes that a business takes, kind of like, how do you make money? Answering the question, how do you make money? We've identified 10 different ways. We're overhauling that, simplifying it, making it a lot more clear. But we do have a podcast episode about this and some, and some content written for free available to you um, to do what Barrett's going to tell you about right now. Yep.
1: And so as you run each of these topics through those different uh, archetypes, I think you'll find that it either makes sense or it doesn't to you, the different ways this thing could come to life as a business. And it gives you these hypotheses where you can say, okay, I could see the addiction thing being a nonprofit model. I could see it being an information model or or whatever the different ones are. Yeah. So do an example. Do it like, so for uh, addiction as the teacher. Okay, so for addiction as the teacher, perhaps you'd sell... Uh, maybe it's a 365 day daily devotional for former addicts. And so you're kind of giving them a daily reading that helps them focus on that one day ahead mm. and continuing their journey. Maybe mm. that's one way you could be a teacher and you sell it in an ebook form, or maybe it's an email series, something like that. And you can imagine charging, maybe you call it a uh, dollar a day, or maybe you call it I don't know, a dollar a month because you don't yeah. feel like addicts have a ton of resources to pour into this kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But the point being, once you decide what a format could look like and what you think a potential price point could look like, now you can do some math on it. And let's say that your minimum viable income mm. is $50,000. And
0: minimum it, viable income, another concept that we use a lot here at Fizzle, it's sort of that number that you need to make to, 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 just to scrape by monthly, right? you know what I mean? So, and there's another great um, podcast and huge article that we wrote about that. I will put
1: that in the show notes, keep going. And so you can do some math on this. And it's like, well, if I sell each of these uh, daily devotionals for 12 bucks, I would need to sell 4,200 of them this year to make a $50,000 income. Hmm. If I sell them for $365, I need to sell 137 of them. And what this does is it starts to give you a realistic picture of what would have to happen for that given business model to actually work economically for you. And I think too often we ignore that calculation because it's easier to get excited about the idea to say, oh my God, I would love to be the guy who wrote the daily devotional for former addicts. That would be amazing. But if you're counting on it to make you a living, you need to know what has to happen next for that to be okay. Mm-hmm. If you're just doing it to be the guy who wrote the devotional and it doesn't matter how much money you make, then you should give it away yeah. and you should be the guy who wrote it and let mm-hmm. it spread. But if we're talking about a business here, you should know what it's going to look like. And then the question you ask is, well, if I sell it for 12 bucks and I have to sell 4,200 of them, how am I going to do that? What does that look like? Mm. 4,200, how many is that every month? Yeah. And what would have to happen for me to sell enough of those every month to get by? And so you can, you can kind of start to imagine the reality of operating this business. And that can lead you to, okay, well, for that to happen, for me to sell the number of them that I need to sell, what would my day look like? Yeah. How would I spend my time in this business? And so you get this imagined future picture of what your life might look like as the entrepreneur who does X, Y, or Z. And I think that can be really important when you're talking about making a decision that's this big to at least think about what will life look like if this
0: works? Yeah, Yeah. I think that's a huge deal to think about uh, okay so what did I hear uh, like how many customers or clients or how many like like this is a big deal like with a podcast you have to have yeah 10 15 20 30 thousand people to earn a living in some ways right uh, and that that's broad numbers you can do it right. less it depends on how you do it right but with and with the service industry rather when you have like you you, you could get by on maybe five clients mm-hmm. right if you're if you're just working directly with five people so there's a huge difference between what your lifestyle looks like with these kinds of things and this is the what I'm super Excited about in the revamp that we're doing of the of the archetypes. Um, again, if you want more about the archetypes, you can kind of run every idea that you have through each one of these archetypes that we have: the artist, the maker, the curator, the teacher, all of these things, and kind of just picture like what would it look like if you were, for example, a maker. What if there is like a you know people who struggle with addiction? And it's like you want a totem to put on your desk or to keep in your pocket that you just like. And you kind of turn it into a thing. Like, hey, people have their little coin or there's something in the pocket. That's a maker doing something that helps people who struggle with addiction. Right Right now, how does that compare to being the info guy, which we talked about before? How does it compare with uh, maybe being an artist or doing this other model, right? All of these are great because you can really kind of close your eyes, visualize what your life might look like. And then beyond that, doing literal actual back of the napkin math to see what you'd really need to do to earn To earn enough as like selling the guy who makes like the little totem in your pocket
1: thing. Right. It's like you got to sell a lot of those. But here's the deal on this, right? So you could you could research till you're blue in the face and you spent a year just researching which one should I do here? And one thing I've always loved from a lot of journalists that I'll listen to, I listen to this podcast called Long Form where they bring on long form journalists and they'll talk about their process and, and what it's like to be on deadline and things like that. And nearly every journalist who's on deadline regularly says that is the only way they'll publish Hmm. because without a deadline, without something to work towards, without this constraint, it's never ending. You could make a a never ending better article if you just kept going down the rabbit hole. Hmm. But the deadline is the thing that grounds you in reality. It grounds you in the work needing to go out into the world to have any kind of impact. So- you know, we can give you all of the criteria we want to for how to make this kind of decision. But I think it's really important to put some bounds on it, to say, my goal for making this decision is this date, or I'll know I'm ready to make the decision when X, Y, and Z happens. Mm. So that you're not just going into it with this never ending uh, realm of possibilities that you're going to explore, yeah. but there's some point you're working towards. Mm.
0: Love it. Love it. Uh, I don't know, Steph, where do where, where you want to go from here?
2: I'll add one thing just to kind of maybe tie it together because there was a point that was made uh, in the forums that I thought was just really helpful and straightforward for uh, experience that one Fizzler had with how she evaluated this for herself. So Fizzler named Ashley had a, a similar choice to make. And I think Barrett mentioned it. I think I believe she was between, it sounds like she had a bunch of things going on at one point. She was talking about photography, insurance, gaming, all kinds of different stuff. And she had this point in her life where she had um, and. This actually piggybacks on what Barrett just said, too. She says she had a month, a month off, I guess, to explore what her next step needed to be. So that's kind of, I guess she had a bit of a deadline to figure out what decision she was going to make. And I think that's an excellent point. And she said that she just made four lists. And here here were the criteria she used, because I thought these were interesting. She said she had a list of one, things I'm passionate about, two, things I'm good at, three, things that can make me money, and four, things I'm passionate about, good at, and can make me money. Mm. So just a concise little list, but I feel like perhaps that ties together all the things we've been talking about. It includes what you care about, what you're good at, and and I'll just interject for a second to say that I think it's important. It can be so tricky when what I'm good at isn't necessarily the same as what I love to do. That can be really hard. There's, I think all of us have skills and things that we're good at that we don't really feel like, you know, get us jumping out of bed in the morning, so it's important to differentiate those. So the passion, things I'm good at, Things that can make me money. In other words, customer demand. Are people even going to buy this thing? And finally, what, what are the things that could like combine all of those things? Passion, I'm good at them, and they make me money. Mm. So I just wanted to share that because I thought it was very astute and helpful little um, insight into Ashley's life and something that worked well for her.
0: You know, which, which is uh, this Japanese concept of ikigai, I think is what it's called, um, which is, you know, mix, mixing all of these these four things. Number one, finding the inter- trying to find the intersection of these four: what you love, what the world needs, what you can get paid for, and what you are good at. Um, mm-hmm. I found a, there's a great little image of this, which I'll include in the show notes here, um, and hopefully an, a wiki article about it. I think that that I read before that it was quite good. I want,
1: um, I want to say a couple things about passion, real quick, because in my opinion, passion is one of the most fickle feelings in the world. She's a fickle mistress. I knew that was coming. Yeah. I kind of set you up for that one. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I was uh, sort of teed up. Uh, yeah, by uh-huh. the way, before you... Just give me a second here because you might notice a different uh, different way that I'm sort of being in the world right now. What's happened is uh, I've run out of Lockroy. Uh, it's not something I'm proud of. But uh, my friend Sam, Sam Stream, hooked me up with a soda stream. Uh, I got these little bottles... And I just, I fill them them with water, and then I bubble them. And I'll I'll be honest, it's much more bubbly than LaCroix. (laughs) It feels weird, and I'm real burpy, but I'm okay with that, because I used to be a fitness expert, and I used to do burpees all the time. (laughs) Anyways, just wanted to say that's what's going on. Wow, Bob, that's a hell of a story. Thanks. Barrett, you were saying? Never met that character, but yeah. uh hope he comes back. <laughs> that you, uh, The
1: listener missed your eye roll. I did, I know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, good. Um, anyways, passion is fickle. It's so easy to feel passionate about something when you're not in the nitty gritty of doing the thing, of executing, of researching, of being in the middle of trying to make it work. And the thing that I've found is that true connection to a topic, true expertise comes and passion, I guess I'll I'll use that word again, comes from where your effort is spent. You might think you're going to be passionate about something, but nearly every topic, when you unpack it, when you start to study the nuances of it, Mm. is a pain in the tush. It's no fun when you get into the middle of trying to figure out how to help children who have been abused not repeat that cycle. It's no fun when you get into the middle of how do you help addicts recover when they're prone to relapses. It's no fun when you get into the middle of how do you help an entrepreneur succeed and you realize that the hundreds of topics and questions they're going to ask you about are so difficult to research and really understand. And so- What I would love to, you know, kind of put an addendum on that passion point is I think values and what you value in the world and what you, how you want to live your life and the reflection of that in your business is maybe a better criteria here. Hmm. Does your business reflect the personal values that you hold to be important? And can you build a business that reflects that given the topic as opposed to? is addiction the thing I care about today? And is that going to be the thing I care about 10 years from now? Because along that path, you're going to have highs where you love it. You just help someone overcome a battle with you know, relapsing tonight to the lows where you have the opposite experience or whatever. And there are going to be feelings of passion and feelings of not, and uh, of not being passionate. And I think it's important to realize that going in that nothing is a perfect topic and something new is always going to look amazing looking from the outside in because you don't fully understand it
3: yet. Mm. Well, it, it's a, it's a lot like relationships, right? You don't, yep. you, uh, you need to look at a business as a marriage and it has to be, I think passion might be the wrong word for it. You're looking for something that you can care deeply about for a very long time.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you just did it there. We use the term care a lot more often because, uh, as was said, like Josh Shipp in his founder story said this a long time ago. Founder stories, we have all these interviews with with um, mentors, basically inside of fizzle. and um and he's like, listen, if if I didn't care deeply about the thing that I was doing, I would have given up a long time ago. Care is my superpower. It's like it it makes me able to contribute here when other people give up. And it's my sort of like unfair advantage in some ways. And I think, you know, just like you said there, Corbett, care is is a much better word than passion. And I think my you know final word on this would be just that no matter how much you care or or are passionate about something, if you earn a living from it, it's going to turn into a job. And you're going to need to know how to just do the day in, day out. You're going to need how to, even if you're working with very incredibly sensitive things like addiction, you're going to need to learn how to do self-care. You ever been in a hospital and been treated by a nurse like who's just like well guess what she works with a hundred people like you every day and some of them have like things falling out of like everything in their body do you know what I mean it's just like like she she's prepared for war in here and right and so she's got to do what she has to do every time he too all male nurses as well um, so the, the the idea being that um, no matter what. You care about or are passionate about. If you if you earn a living from it, or if you try to earn some money from it, it's going to turn into a job, and that's that that can't be avoided. And it also doesn't have to be a death sentence. It, you know, when you think, I think a lot of people when they're like, I want to find what I'm passionate about. What they're really saying is like, I want to never, I want it to never be hard. <laughs> I want it to yeah. always just come like just like straight from the heart and just always shooting from the hip like every time, right? You know, and and that's that like from as someone who's basically doing that, I'm just saying like. No, it it's a job. It takes work. And some of the better things are the things you have to work hardest for in terms yeah. of the things you feel most satisfied about that are doing the most impact around that thing you care about, right?
1: I think it's really important. I think I think we're too often prone to believe that we can do more than we actually can. Yeah. That over a lifetime, we're going to get to impact all of these different areas. And I, you know, one question that I've been challenged by and would challenge our listeners to is What if you only get to be good at one thing Mm -hmm. in your business? You know, maybe you can have all the hobbies you want, but maybe you really only get to have a significant impact in one area. Yeah. Which one are you going to pick if that's true?
0: Yeah. And I think that's a big, it's a big deal because it's really hard to pick, but it comes back to me. Um, and we should close up here. This will be my, my, I I think I've said this already, my final word, but it really is that like, there's a big change that comes when you go like from, I want to be an entrepreneur to, I want to, I want to, contribute to solving this problem because I don't care how you do that you you you, the you who's saying I want to contribute to solving this problem that she doesn't care if she's like writing blog posts or making social images or if a lot of people are liking her stuff she cares that she's working in a way she feels proud of to create things that she feels proud of that contribute to the solution to this problem and that she can tell she can tell that it's working it's a great video from the School of Life I just watched on this kind of like, what is it, how do how can we get better work, uh, which I'll put in the show notes here as well. But that, that's it for me. Corbett, any last words?
3: I just want to mention for those of you who are in Fizzle, uh, the cool thing about our roadmap is that choosing a topic is really right up front. It's one of the first things that you do. And... After that, you're going to go through exercises, including defining an audience, having customer conversations, exploring archetypes, creating a one page business plan. And as you go through each of those things, you know, you can do all of that fairly quickly. And as you go through each of those things, you're going to be, um, further refining your topic. And at some point, it may be clear that, you know what? This isn't the right topic for me. After I talked with cu- customers, it's clear that I don't, I'm not equipped to really help solve this problem. And so then you can go back to the drawing board. And the, the reason I'm, I'm making that point is that I know it's scary. We talked, you know, at the beginning, CK was worried about, um, choosing this topic and, and, and wondering how do you get past the fear of choosing the wrong topic? Well, part of the way to get past that is knowing that you can change your mind for some time into the future. And, you know, generally, if you are going to change your mind, it's better to do it early on before you've invested a bunch of time and energy, um, into building mm-hmm. the business. So as you yeah. go through these exercises, a lot of them are, are, they're, they're low cost. You're just talking with customers and, um, you know, and doing some work on your own before you've actually started the business. So choose your topic, you know, use the, the, um, the matrix that, uh, Chase is going to release along with this. You'll go to fizzleshow.co slash 154. Is that mm-hmm. right? That's and the one. And uh, and you can download the workbook, choose a topic and move on and then continue doing the work that you need to do to make sure that that's the right decision.
0: Yeah, I like it. I like it. Steph, any last words?
2: I think the last thing I'll say just on the heels of what Corbett just said is I feel like I have gotten... More maybe even more than usual, quite a few emails recently from people who have who listened to the show who are asking, you know, hey, I'm really interested in some of the things you guys are talking about. I'm interested in building a business and I'm really interested in joining Fizzle, but I don't really know if I am far enough along to join. Like I don't really feel like I have an idea. Like, could Fizzle be for me? And all of this talk talk that we've had about choosing a topic and what Corbett really just laid out was the first phase of the roadmap. Um, It's really a great place to start. Even if you are in this position where you're like, I have a couple ideas, but I don't really know where to go from here. The choosing a topic course is an excellent place to start. Even if you're totally at square, you're not even at square one, you're at square zero. So give it a shot if you're in that position where you're like, man, I can kind of relate to this. I don't really know which way I should go. We have resources for that. I think the content's great and it can be really helpful. And I wanted to just reassure people who you don't have to be like at a certain point in order to join Fizzle and and get a lot out of it. So keep that in mind too.
0: Yeah.
1: Come on. Come join us say hi. Do it. Yeah. Barrett, anything? I'll just say that I think the world has enough people who make these kinds of decisions selfishly that make a decision with self-interest in mind, with fame and profit and, and all of those criteria. And you'll notice that those aren't the column headers for our decision matrix. It's not how famous will you get, it's not how extremely profitable will you be, it's not will you have your own island. So much of this is about can you find a problem that's important enough for you to spend every day trying to solve it? And I think if you go at this, with more of that idea of how can I serve people best? How can I use the things that I know, the expertise I've gained, the skills I've gained to serve other people and solve an important problem? I think you won't go wrong here and you can't lose. Wow.
0: That's a hell of a way to end it. I have been Chase Wardman-Reeves. I've been Corbett
1: Barr. I've been Barrett Brooks.
2: I've been Steph Crowder.
1: And we'll see you there or
0: we'll we'll see, you see you another time. time. So there you have it. Thank you, CK, for being brave enough to share. We loved hearing from you. Fizzleshow.co slash 154 is where you're going to find the show notes. And you guessed it. That's right. That's where this uh, decision matrix is. The business topic decision matrix worksheet. It's free. I made it for you. I updated it. You can download it right there at the show notes. Also, please, while you're there, watch that school of life video on how we find meaningful work. Come on, you are leaving money on the table if you're not watching that YouTube channel. Find that at fizzleshow.co slash 154. Sign up for the the business topic decision matrix. It's, It's awesome here's an iTunes review from Nike Beast Mode in the US of A uh, he says great show guys Chase talks a little bit too- hold on it gets gets good here after the Chase talks too much bit uh, oh here it is great info without always pitching their stuff love the fact that you're about quality and connection and not just about making money keep it going no keep you keep it going Nike Beast Mode you get a car you get a car and you keep beast moding out Nike Beast Mode man Thanks for the review. Our goal here is to help you make progress on your business every single week. And when you leave us an iTunes review, it it just helps other people find the show. To be honest, I don't think enough people listen to the show. uh, Enough to to keep it going right now. But if you leave us a review, uh, it helps others. I don't even know if it does. But I would love to hear your voice and read it out on the air. Come on. Do it. Mention mention where you're from. Mention your favorite, uh, I don't know, your favorite ice cream. What's your favorite ice cream? Oh, man. You better... I mean, what are your feelings about Rocky Road? Leave that in the iTunes review. Anyways, I'd love to read it. So please do. Go to the iTunes store, search for Fizzle, and click write a review. All right, remember, no matter how hard it gets and how hot it gets, rest in the company of good friends. And you've got to remember this. You're not alone. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday. Oh, hey, and sometimes I I have a little bit left over from the recording that I think some of you might like, and so maybe I'll add these little bits to the end of the show. Here's one where we talk about uh, shirtless Corbett and how when uh, you work for yourself, the work is literally never done. If you like it, let let me know in the comments at fizzleshow.co slash uh, 154, and maybe I'll I'll do this more often. Enjoy. Is that mm-hmm. famous Merlin text goes it's like it's like uh joining a facebook group about productivity is like buying a chair about running (laughs) that's pretty good hey hey i don't know who you are but that is pretty good funny
3: you know what i mean that's right and corbett what's going on in mexico uh it's hot enough that i'm uh podcasting shirtless if Whoa! That, if that makes you feel better,
1: <laughs> uh, Corbin doesn't often offend Steph, but today. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> wait, wait, Steph, hold on. There's a difference today, between. So
0: just take it easy. There's a di- yeah, he's not, he's not, there's nothing offensive not about here. About no,
2: that, that was a woe of support. That was, oh, yeah, that I was welcome ex- it. excited <laughs> for you, really. <laughs> yeah. I
1: just, I just want Corbett to be right here, Podcast. It's
0: a woe of support. <laughs>
1: <right>. <laughs>
0: I like that. That was a woe of support. It was, <laughs> good. truly. Woo. Uh,
3: but Corbett's hot. It's hot down there. Yeah, I haven't, I just haven't even bothered putting a shirt on today.
0: Yeah, God, that feels good. Tell me, when you're down there, do you like? Do you find that that you're pretty gentle on yourself in terms of productivity? Like, you just—it's not that you like have to like m- like go like no, it's okay. I don't have to get more much more done today. Like, I'm just gonna do a little bit, and that that's fine. Do you have to like? talk yourself through that or does it just happen naturally where you feel like relatively good about your output and how much you're getting done or is it like you still carry a lot of the kind of mania or neuroses about it
3: there's there's no mania that's for sure but there's just like so little to do here that you have all kinds of time Mm. you just have all day long to do nothing yeah
0: yeah it's not like we're going somewhere
3: you know don't have any errands Uh to run
0: yeah so god god forbid so i mean well you do have to go to the place to get the thing but that's just the one guy and he comes around in a cart anyways exactly (laughs) (laughs) i've been having like these experiments with my day around here where it's it's like like i feel like if any of you got to if you and if you like were like watching through like hidden cameras what my day was like you'd be like this guy doesn't do he doesn't do anything Do you know what I mean? My it like, would look similar. I'm just walking around from thing to thing. And then and then like last week, last Friday, my checkout, keeping track of all the things that I got done in a whole week of doing those. My first like full week of just like, just really like, I don't know, doing a lot of like little sketching, walks. Like when I sit down, I really get work done. And when I get up, I'm really not thinking about work. You know what I mean? All of these little things to, then when I, ch- I check out, I realize all the I got done. It was a bunch of stuff. I felt so good checking out on Friday. Like it felt like good. And I mean, Chad and Clara were here at Corbett and, and we were going out to party with them, but, but, and so that helped, but like, still like, it's very weird. The, the way that we talked, the thing we talked about last week, the moods, how they affect the way we feel about the work and all this other stuff. How, like, I don't know a lot. Normally it's a lot of neurosis that I bring a lot of negotiation with myself, trying to make myself feel pretty good about like whatever I'm getting done. Um, and when it comes easy where you're not working very hard and you're really mellow and then you check out at the end of the week, you're like, Oh my God, I got a lot of stuff done. There's something weirdly magic in that. There is some weird ass magic in it. Does that sound familiar, Corbett, with your like with Mexico in some ways?
3: Well, I would. And uh, I was just thinking for people listening, if they haven't tried this process, I mean, we do it partly for because we're working on a team and it's nice to kind of tell people what you wrapped up for the week. But man, even if you're working on your own, why not? wrap up the week by just jotting down all the stuff that you got done so that you can kind of feel like, okay, I feel okay about myself. I can go off and enjoy this weekend. Yeah. There's nothing
0: like it. There's nothing like, and, 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 you know, another shout out for Trello this morning. I just like looked at Trello to see what was there that I had that we've already talked about. I mean, we're coming up on the end of Q1 and, um, I don't know. It's just really nice to have that. Like, you know, when we were all together in CEO mode, we gave ourselves these projects. You know, and and now we we get to look three months later back at it, and and number one, it's kind of unique to feel like, oh yeah, these were all good things to be trying or to be experimenting with or exploring or trying to do, but but uh, so we we won on that regard, like we didn't have a bunch of just bull crap. Like I can't even believe we were interested in that, you know. But the not only so not only are they they decent projects to do, but then like like we're making progress, and you know, three months into it, I'm like, okay. Figuring out what I'm going to do today, that's like I look at Trello. You know, it's really, it's really like that solved a very sort of big piece of my neuroses that I can go and look at. Like, we all of us together decided that like we we get an A if we've done these things, and we're all making progress on those things. And my parts of those, what's the next thing in it? Oh, it's this. You know, it's it's a it it definitely because the thing is when you work for yourself, there's you're you've never you never get enough done. Because there's not there's like unless you say like I got enough done. Do you know what I mean? It's bull. How do you really feel about it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just thought we were pause blocking there.
0: We weren't. We weren't. It was just people were like, What is he talking about? <laughs> what are we doing? There are always more things to be done.
1: I do agree with you there.
0: And and like it's it is. It's that course management thing and uh that we've talked about so much. I'm just amazed that that like None of this still none of, as much as it should feel really old to me, it still feels like nope, this is this is the this is the game being played. These are the rules, and I have to be reminded of it every day. seems like
2: well, you know? we 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 talked about this a little bit in the last episode, too, about the ups and downs that you feel so significantly on like a day to- day basis. Like yeah. you might go through a period of time where you're in hustle mode and you feel like you have all the momentum in the world, and then you have a string of days where you just feel like you can't even work up the energy and the and the momentum to really push yourself forward but i think what you're talking about is the beauty of looking at projects like a little bit further back than the day-to-day because yeah. you're going to have days that come easier than others you mentioned last week for you it felt like it kind of just came to you naturally but there are some mm. weeks where you kind of have to slug it out but when you put them all together you get the project done and you can kind of feel good about it by keeping track of it so
0: yeah totally totes my goats